Welcome to episode 103 of the Clarity Compressed Podcast. My name is Paul J. Daly. I'll be your host. And today we're going to talk about how do you know when you're being sold? Clarity can only really exist in the light of truth. Branding just isn't a tactic. It's a lifestyle change. The moment of clarity this week is that People only believe the things that they actually do. I hear a lot of people saying things and not doing things. A lot of people saying they believe in this approach. They believe in this truth. But then when you look at what they do, you find out really quickly they don't actually believe in it. Because if they did, they'd be doing it. So, think about it. What are you saying you believe and what are you actually doing? Moment of clarity. People only believe the things that they're actually doing. I'm so excited for what he's going to show me. Hurry up and show me Paul's pick. All right, Paul's pick for this week is going for a walk. Everybody knows what it feels like when you get overwhelmed in the moment or you got to reach a hit a wall or you got a brain fart. You can't get past it. So just get up and go for a walk. Even if it's cold out. It's cold out right now. Just do it. Put on your Eagles hat. Get outside. Go for a walk, free up some of those creative juices, and when you sit back, I bet you feel a lot better. It's my pick for a week. Going old school, go for a walk. So I posted a question on LinkedIn, and a lot of people started to chime in from answers. It sparked some DMs. It sparked uh, just good conversation and good thinking. And the question was this. Do you think there is more value in what you sell or how people feel about what you sell. I'll give you a second. What do you think? I have a very clear thought on this. The overwhelming majority of people on LinkedIn, I think, got it right and said that there's indeed more value in how people feel about what you sell than what you actually sell. It sparks the age-old question. I have a book, not behind me. It's called The Essence of Value, and it's over there. And it really asks the question, you know, do I want these shoes because they are valuable or are these shoes valuable because I want them, right? It's a little bit of a chicken and an egg. But back to the question, do you think there's more value in what you sell or how people feel about what you sell? And the, the place I'm going with this is that I think that some things are actually bought more than they're sold. And then there are some things that are sold more than they are bought. Here's what I mean by that. When something is sold more than it is bought, it means that there is a whole mechanism and system around distributing that thing or selling that thing or convincing you of that thing. There's more of a mechanism and a process and an ingrained, uh, maybe sometimes part of culture or part of um, an industry where selling that one thing is actually much more compelling than any reason someone would rationally have to buy that thing. Okay, I could actually, something that just popped into my mind was kind of big pharma and medications because we have all watched the commercials that show really, really happy, fulfilled people and really interesting like scenes and shots and B-roll and this recent one has like this animated turkey um, and they show all these beautiful things while they read a full stinking minute of the worst conditions that could possibly happen to you, like the side effects part. So. I think those things are definitely more sold than bought because if anyone just read the script to that or even listened to it without watching it, they'd be like, well, who in their rational mind would buy that? I digress. 
what I'm really talking about this week is in in the area that that my business is in marketing, advertising, branding, and I really believed for a long time that there are a lot of traditional advertising methods and products that are sold much more than they're bought because there's no data to back up their effectiveness, but there is a whole mechanism around assuming value around a certain product. Specifically, I've had three distinct new clients in three very separate industries. I know I work a lot in automotive, so people think, oh, well, you, you're that, that works for the car industry and it doesn't work for every other industry. There's three totally different industries, two retail industries, um, actually three retail industries, and in every single one. We've gotten into the ad spend. We've gotten into the products these companies are buying to promote their message, to sell, to brand, to market, and have seen an immediate slap in the face of waste. And I'm not talking a few bucks here and a few bucks here. I'm talking about wasting millions of dollars on things that are sold more than they're bought because there's no tangible return on the value. It's it's like emotional. It's the way it's always been. And I'll tell you where I'm going with this. You know, I've always had this feeling, but having this front row seat, I start I started to get fired up about it because what I believe about business and small business is that the more capital you have freed up, to reinvest in your business and to reinvest in your community, well, the better everyone is. The community is better off. The business is better off. And when all of that extra money and um, resource is really consolidated and being wasted in one area, well, it robs that of from the business owner, from the business, from the community, from the employees. And so as I've seen all this waste creeping up, it's got me fired up. And then icing on the cake I heard the announcement from Google that they are going to be stopping their, basically their bonus program for people that sell AdWords and sell. So if you're not in the industry, here's how this would work. Google sells ad products. So if you, the company gives me money to, to place ads so that when someone searches, you know, um, leather wallets, that now I can serve them up advertising that sells my leather wallet. So that's a, that's a product, right? And they try to put ads that people click on and they buy keywords that people will bid on. And so Google, you can do that right through Google, but a lot of people do this through agencies that manage larger spends. And basically Google said to the agencies, hey, if you convince people to buy more of these AdWords, well, then we'll give you these big bonuses and big lumps of money, right? It sounds okay, right? A lot of people give bonuses and pay pay other companies to do this, to, to sell things, right? A salesperson is commissioned. I feel I sell you this, uh, you know, this purse, I get a commission, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is that most people don't know that this goes on. And when nobody knows that this is going on in the back end and they don't really see the money going that way, they assume that you're selling me this product because it's in my best interest, but really there's a major conflict of interest because this other person's giving me money to sell you something and instead of doing what I can with rational thinking and data to help you buy something that really is best for you. So all of this is happening. I'm watching millions of dollars wasted. I realized that all this money and conflict of interest is existing within lots of industries, particularly the, the Google thing is within automotive. So we have all these agencies taking big money from Google to tell you that this is a good idea. It's being sold. It's not being bought. And so this brings me all the way back to the initial question. Do you think there's more value in what you sell or how people feel about what you sell? 
Well, I think there's more value in how you feel about what people sell. And the danger in that is that you can sway people by selling them something to something that's not good for them. And I think that's bad for everybody. And frankly, I just don't think a lot of people want to be involved with convincing people to do things that aren't in their best interest. It's like, who wants to live and sleep and go in that world? So let's get over to like something that we sell as an agency is congruent. We say that, and I say, that advertising is a tax on a a weak brand. So you have to pay more ad dollars, buy more ad placements, buy more ad words, buy more television commercials. Even goes into social, buy more, pay more money to advertise the weaker your brand is. So instead, our approach is, hey, let's understand what your business actually is and bring out all the compelling things about who you are and why you care. And let's really do the work to understand your consumer. Why does that 30-year-old mom of small kids care about this? Why? Let's figure that out. Now let's connect what you are as a business with that consumer really wants and help them solve their problem. So how they feel about your brand is compelling them to buy it. You no longer have to sell it. And when you do that, a funny thing happens. You invest the money in creating great content and understanding your personas, and developing out your messaging, and then you don't have to spend those other millions of dollars on spray-and-pray advertising that you have no data for. Now, the reason I wanted to get into this is because I'm seeing this front row, and I'm asking myself, like, why is it okay? Why do people allow themselves to be sold like this? If it's not great, if it's really robbing them of opportunity, but for some reason they feel like there's more value there, but there's not. And the data shows that. So why do people do that? Why do we allow ourselves to be sold? I think the answer is something we've talked about before, and it's fear. When people are afraid, we allow ourselves to be sold things that might just make us feel a little bit better, but they aren't very good for us or our businesses or our personal life or our family. And when you're fearful of something, Typically, it's because you don't have enough information. So follow the train of thought. You allow yourself to be sold something that doesn't have value for you, but you feel like it might have value. You allow yourself to be sold because of fear. And so I'll do this. I won't change. I won't pivot. I'm afraid to make a change that rationally is starting to make sense to me, but all the fear is holding me back from making rational decisions. I'm going to stick to the old way. I'm not going to change. I have the people that are conflict of interest tied to the old way, telling me, don't change, don't change, don't change. And so you have fear. And that a lot of times because there's a lack of data, lack of understanding, lack of experience. So how do you get past, what's the next step? How do you get past lack of data, lack of information, lack of experience? Well, you need data, you need information, and you need experience. But you'll never have them all before you can actually make a decision that gives you an advantage in a marketplace or allows you to get to the early jump. So at some point, you have to make a decision based on the information you have, because the more data that comes available, well, at that point, more people become comfortable with it. Now, once it's proven, now widely proven, now everybody does it. And when everybody does it, guess what happens? Well, then it's no longer special. There's no more scarcity. And you're again, right back in the position you are where everything isn't working and you're in the same place as everybody else which spurs the whole cycle again. Somebody's got to innovate, be more rational, create a better solution. And then the early adopters go and the people that are afraid don't go because they're clinging to how the old solution made them feel. And so that is the thing that allows people to be sold and not actually 
buying something because it really brings them a lot of value and brings them a lot of meaning in their life. So what's the answer? What's the solution if you're in a situation? It's funny, as we were working through like the concept for this podcast, I, I thought, I said to Patrick, I was like, it kind of works the same way, even like in relationships, like you start off in life, right? And if you're a young man and you go to college, right? When I was, you go to college, you look at like, okay, there are girls here and there's a, a lot of availability because everybody just got here, right? But you have lack of information. I don't know who is cool, who's not cool, who's crazy, who's great. And so, but the longer you wait to gather that information, well, then the quality choices begin to go off the market. Once everybody knows who's great, guess what? They're not left and there you are by yourself. So it kind of does work universally. I mean, not like those two examples are universal, but I think you understand what I'm saying. So who actually are the ones that make the decisions that push past the fear and buy something because it's good for them not and because they actually want to buy it, not because they're being sold the old way and sold the fear? Well, they have to have a mix of courage and foresight. It can't just be courage because like there are a lot of people who have this level of courage that are a little foolhardy and they just do stupid things. And when you do that, well, then you don't win. You still have to have some foresight and some rational thinking. And so those will be the people who have foresight and rational thinking that are always the macro winners because they understand I can never be fully confident to make the decision, but the ones that are comfortable enough to let their rational brain and what they're hearing and let those things like, this really makes sense to me. Yep, this makes sense. And it felt right. And understand that when they let the old way and the old voices take back control because of the lever of fear, what if it doesn't work? The rational brain saying like, this makes a lot of sense. And I do see it working in a lot of, in a lot of uh, instances. So waiting for data, it means more certainty. But usually when you wait, 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 you know that you don't do it and you lose the spark that you had to change. And then somebody else is going to do it and you're going to miss the boat. But waiting for the spark to change is broadly adopted. And guess what? All of a sudden, that advantage becomes benign. So that's when the cycle continues. You wait, you wait, you wait until you have enough information, broadly adopted. And now it's not special anymore and you've lost your edge. So I wanted to introduce that concept. Uh, I wanted to introduce that concept this week. How do you know if you're being sold? Back to the initial question I asked. Well, you know if you're being sold because you have resorted back to the fear and kind of shut your brain off. You're doing things that make you feel good, but when you step back and think of it, it's not making much rational sense. So thinking about, are you being sold or are you buying things? In life, in business, the products you sell your clients, the products you're buying, the approach you're taking to your marketing. Does it make rational sense? Is the fear the thing that is stopping you? But are your rational brain trying to overtake the fear because the fear of comfort? The people with a mix of courage and rational foresight are going to be the macro winners every time, all the time. Always, always, always be on the lookout for the conflicts of interest that will stop, that will mean, mean someone's more likely to sell you something than they are to compel you to buy it. 
That's my thoughts. That's my thoughts. They're my thoughts for episode 103. How you can know if you're being sold or if you're actually buying something. And I do believe that there is more value in how people feel about what you sell. So make sure you connect to the heart of what they care about so that they will understand that they're buying something, compelled to do it. The fit is there. Don't force, don't make it fit if it doesn't fit. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, spending some time with me. A lot of great things coming up. Uh, I'm going to be at the NADA convention in a couple of weeks. So if you're going to be there as well, I would love to meet you. Please DM, reach out. We're going to be rolling uh, through the conference for three or four days. We'll have the crew. Um, Actually, we're going to be doing an in-person live workshop coming up. I have a lot of great uh, things to announce with that. Still very, very early in the, in the season to uh, say what it is or say how it is. Don't have enough details to tell you, but we will be rolling that out. Also, if you have not signed up for the email list that goes with the podcast, if you go to claritycompressed.com, sign up for the email list. We're going to start building that out a little bit more and uh, giving you a lot of the tips and tricks and things that I find uh, throughout the week that are interesting or valuable, help you uh, be a better person. Uh, I say that in quotes, uh, probably you know, could be more efficient, more self-aware, uh, more caring, more generous uh, in your business, maybe things that help you run better, leadership tips and tactics, uh, some things that I've heard, you know, like the books that I announce, just kind of try to feed out a little finger on the pulse of uh, what's making what's making uh, things fire and tick in my brain. So again, thanks for hanging with me for this long. I hope your day's going great. Whatever you're doing, walking, driving to work, whatever, keep on the path, keep pursuing clarity, and I'll see you next week. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.